Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Howdy, partners. How y'all doing? Grew up as... uh... A young boy loving cowboys, loving the whole sense of uh, chasing down the bad guys. And in every cowboy film, it seemed to have one of these wanted, dead or alive, a bounty, thousand dollars on the head of the bad guy. And all the good guys would get on their horses and go riding off into the sunset, chasing down the guy, finding him bringing him to justice, and it makes a great film. I guess in the day in which we're living, the great desire that everyone wants to see in terms of dead or alive is COVID to be no more. Pay good money to have that hunted down, this killer hunted down and exterminated. And indeed we should, as Christians, be praying to God for those scientists who are working so hard to find a vaccine so that life can be restored and all of life, our normal life, our work life, our political life, our social life, but perhaps most of all, our family life, because it's been hard on families, this lockdown. And today is Father's Day. And I want to say Happy Father's Day to all of those of you who are dads, whether they're young children or, in my case, older children, still needing their dads, still wanting to listen to their voice, still looking for dads for needs to be met, for encouragement to be received. And um, I'm aware as I speak this morning that uh, there are almost a fifth of all families in the UK are lone parent families, and 90% of those are led by women mothers and they deserve our great admiration and gratitude being both mum and dad to their families well done if you're listening to this but it raises the question and I want to look a little bit about this today about where are the fathers sadly some have died others because of work commitments have had to maybe go abroad for a season and are out of sight But tragically, for many, they have made a choice. They've made a choice to chase after other gods, chase after other women, and leaving behind them children who will be shaped by the lack of having a father figure in their lives as they grow up. So this message this morning is an attempt to look at two areas of fatherhood. One is to look at the very nature of God who is revealed by Jesus as father and the other is an encouragement to those of us who are fathers to get involved, to engage, to not be absent without leave. I love the film um, Hook where the baddie Dustin Hoffman plays the, the character of the pirate And Peter Pan has grown up 
Robin Williams plays the part and he is a busy dad, a very important dad. And in the opening scenes of the film, he's making choices to not be with his children. Tragically, his son's baseball match in order to keep the business running. And when my children were younger, there was a time when I was just beginning church ministry and involved and booking lots of appointments. And I can remember very vividly on one occasion speaking to someone who needed to see me urgently and said, yep, yep, I'm really busy at the moment. I can put you in my diary for next week, let's say this this hour. And when I put the phone down, my eldest daughter said to me, Dad, can I have a booking in your diary so that I can see you? And that had a profound impact on me. I rearranged my busyness because no one, no father has ever been heard on his deathbed saying, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. Sadly, many dads on their deathbeds have been heard to say, I wish I'd spent more time with my children. And God that we're going to look at this morning is a good God. I've titled this message, um, God Wants You Alive, Not Dead. Because sadly, many people think that the God dimension in their life is something to think about when they die. That God's only interested in us when we die. And it's far from the truth. Jesus said, I have come that everyone would have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10. And Jesus, in order to help us understand what God is like as father, tells a story. And in that story, he illustrates what our lives are like as his children, but also what the father's heart is like towards us who are living in this world. So we're going to listen to that. Someone's going to read the narrative and then we're going to look at a number of applications to our lives. This is a reading from Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Great readings. Thank you so much. An explanation of where we're heading in this morning's message. I firstly am ambitious to introduce you to my father, my father in heaven. If you've never met him this morning, I want to give you an invitation to know him. Secondly, I want to try and encourage those of us who are dads and keep us going, showing us what our Heavenly Father's like in terms of a role model for us, but also in a prayerful way to hopefully turn hearts of fathers to their children and for children to turn to their fathers. This parable, if it tells us anything, is that even God had children that ran away. There are no perfect parents on earth and sometimes we can feel and live under a great deal of condemnation with our children when what God wants us to receive is grace and faith for this incredible privilege of bringing children up. Three areas we're going to look at in terms of God's wanting us alive, not dead. The first is this, to understand that we are lost to the Father's presence. Secondly, that we are lost to the Father's voice, and thirdly, to introduce us to the Father's heart, where we've been lost to it. And so let's look at the Father's presence in this story. Two sons, both lost. One isn't found, one is not better than the other. Both sons want an inheritance, which they ask for, which the Father graciously gives. One of them goes this way, not long after the younger son set off and spent all he had, all the wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything, there was a famine and he ends up in great need. The other son, it says here, the older son became angry, refused to go into a party. So his father goes out and the older son says, look, all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you have never given me a younger goat so I can celebrate with my friends. One son thinks being in the father's presence is a pain. There is life to be found outside of the father, which is much greater, much more enjoyable, much more uh, meaningful 
than to stay put in the father's home. And so he asked for an inheritance, which was an incredibly uh, disrespectful. Jewish hearers of this parable would have been shocked that no son would dare to go into his father's presence whilst he was alive and demand his inheritance. Yet this younger son does. And he goes off into the far off land, years spent in wild living. We can only guess what that wild living is. Spending money he hadn't earned on alcohol, probably drugs, going from relationship to relationship, being Mr. Popular, and then gradually the money starts to fritter away and suddenly the friends equally disappear like snow on the sand until there is a famine in that nation and the son finds himself in the lowest of places eating pigswill and thinking to himself, what have I done? And as he sits there in that pig pen, he longs for one thing and one thing only, to be back in the presence of his father, to be back in the presence of that person who most loved him, who most wanted his good, who most wanted to, him to know that he was a son and his life had meaning and purpose. The younger son comes to his senses, Jesus says, and turns. That turning is a biblical picture of repentance, metanoia, change your mind, coming to your senses and longing for something which you knew you were created to have, and that thing is the presence of God. Now, the older brother is indicative of the point of this story that Jesus is telling because there are teachers of the law and Pharisees, the religious good guys of the day, who have gathered around Jesus and are pointing the finger at the company Jesus is keeping. He's keeping company with tax collectors and sinners. These people are no good. These people are people who spend their money on things that are unrighteous. They live like pigs. They, 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 they're adulterers. They're murderers. Jesus, what are you doing if you're a prophet, a rabbi? What are you doing mixing with these people? So the old, elder brothers are the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And Jesus is saying to them that you are as lost as the youngest son. You are as lost to the father's presence. The old, older brother has spent his life doing the things, being the right guy, doing the right job. But he never, ever knew the intimacy of his father. He thought that his acceptance to the father, his acceptance in life was based on his own effort. This is the world of religion that boasts in our own effort and self-achievement, that actually we can earn God's approval, that we need to work harder, go be more religious, say more Hail Marys, whatever it might be, go on a pilgrimage to Mecca in order that we might be accepted to a God in heaven. And Jesus says, the older brother is longing just as much as the younger brother for a father's embrace. And yet he felt and believed the father's embrace had to be earned, had to be in his control, not the father's control. 
And so this morning, I want to ask you what or who do you most identify with? Are you someone who's been going to church all your life? You see others get excited, you see others move, there's joy, there's peace, there's a sense of purpose in their life and you you just don't feel it. You feel, I'm the good guy, God should be blessing me. Why is he blessing other people, especially the sinners? Are you someone that God wants to draw into his heart this morning? Far from the Father's presence. Or are you the younger guy? Would you say this morning, yeah, guy, do you know what? I've, I've, I've chased after wine, women and song. I've chased after the promotion. I've chased after more money. I've chased after the possessions. I've gone through relationship after relationship and I am in a pig pen. My life is in a mess. Believe me, in these days of COVID-19, there are more lives in mess than there were before it. Alcohol addictions going up, drug addictions going up, marriage breakdowns going up, the whole thing of abuse and physical abuse going up in in COVID-19. And this is why we need to hear the voice of God drawing us into his presence. When I was um, a young boy at school, I was bullied for a number of years. And one of the worst moments was when my leg was broken by the leader of this gang And as I lay on the playing field with my leg in sort of awkward angles, crying because of the pain, the one thing I wanted was my father, my father to come in and beat up the bad guys and to make everything right. But my father was in the Navy and he was away for a year on an aircraft carriage from Art Royal. And so I was left all alone, longing for my father's presence. Every human being has a God-shaped hole in their heart. Every human being is crying out for recognition, crying out for a sense of significance and purpose in their life. And it's only the Father's presence that can bring that. In verse 17, the younger son came to his senses and said, How many of my father's hired men? have food to spare. He thought about home life and he realised the loudest voice that had been in his head in those younger years that he wasted in wantonness and sin, the loudest voice had been himself, pleasure, going after the best car, the best woman, the best profitable outcome for him the feelings of feeling good he was consumed the voice he heard was pleasure pleasure me me selfishness but the older son said this to his father look all these years I've been slaving for you the older son had an orphan spirit a religious spirit a spirit that was working hard in order to try and gain acceptance from the Father. It's a fearful spirit. It's a man-pleasing spirit. It's believing that love is only achieved by effort and by your own hard work. There are 140 million orphans in the world today, and many of those children are looking for a father's love, a mum and dad's love, and think that they must perform in order to earn it and must keep performing in order to keep it. This is not the love of the father in heaven. 
I wonder what the loudest voice in your head is this morning. Is it the voice of pleasure? The voice of going after? Grab the world by the horns? Live and let live? Pleasure? Eat, drink and be merry, tomorrow we die? Is it the orphan spirit, the spirit that is looking for love, even a religious spirit that believes that the love of the Father is achieved by your church attendance, by how much you give or how much you pray. God, Jesus says in this parable, is a speaking God. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it makes it very clear how God speaks. It says in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and many times in various ways. That's the Old Testament. You have God speaking to prophetic men who would then speak to the people. But in these days, in these last days, writer Hebrews says, he has spoken to us by his son, that's Jesus Christ, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, that's by his death and resurrection off the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The writer of the Hebrew says God speaks, and the, and the most clear way God has spoken is through his son. Jesus the Son of God is an exact representation, not a, not a likeness, not a, not a second nature God, but exactly, one exactly like the Father. He shows us exactly what like the Father is. And it's this Jesus who tells this story to reveal to our hearts the Father in heaven is a good God. He's a loving God and he's calling sons and daughters to his presence. God loves you. You listening to this video, listening to this voice, God is speaking through these words that I'm, I'm speaking from the scripture to call you into a relationship with him. The third area, lost to the Father's heart. And this is in the most incredible passage of scripture. The younger son is on his way home and then we get this picture of the father in verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Jesus is describing the father. Yes, holy, holy, holy. As Isaiah said, how I mentioned and showed last week in Daniel that God, the ruler of the heavens, is omnipotent. He's all-powerful, omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's eternal. He's, he's unknowing and unknowable in that sense. He is Lord God Almighty. 
He is self-existent, self-sufficient. He is the eternal God, and this God has made himself known through Christ. And this means he is good. When I was in Africa many years ago, they had a saying, God is good all the time. And the church would respond when the pastor said that all the time. God is good. This is a good, good father that Jesus is describing. And this good, good father so loved this world that he gave his most prized possession, which was his son. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. That whosoever, any man or woman, any boy or girl who would believe, who would trust in Christ, would never perish but receive everlasting life, receive the life of the Father, receive intimacy with God. God loves you and he wants to draw you with that love this morning. If we turn in our Bibles to Galatians, Galatians describes it like this. What I am saying is this, as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. God does not want slaves. He sent his son to redeem and rescue us from under the law which condemned us because we could never be righteous on our own account. Christ fulfilled the law. Christ paid in full our ransom upon a cross and heaven declared him righteous. He was raised again three days later, making the bond between heaven and earth, the bridge to life. So whosoever puts their trust in Christ can make their way back into the Father's presence. And in that gospel, the glorious gospel, there's no boasting. There's no older brother spirit. It's grace that gets us into heaven. Everything is provided for by God. And God hates religion. He hates any sense of religious pride. Someone described religious pride like bad breath. All those around know you've got it, but you don't. And that was until COVID-19 and they started wearing face masks. And suddenly you realise, wow, that breath is pretty pongy. Grace. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Can I challenge every elder brother listening to this message? You can tell if you have that religious spirit because you look down on most of the world and actually most of the church. 
You're proud of your religious pedigree, your hard work, the amount you pray, how you look, the things you don't do, the places you haven't gone to, the books you won't read, the films you won't watch. You're proud and you think everybody else are lightweight. Everyone else is super spiritual or unspiritual. Religious pride stinks. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, remember this, the measure you use is the measure God uses to you. Judge not, that you be not judged. God, by his Holy Spirit, is reaching out to older sons, drawing them into grace this morning. God, by his Holy Spirit, is speaking to younger sons, who, sons and daughters whose life is wrecked by sin. This COVID-19 has just been a dark cavern of plunging into alcohol, plunging into uh, immorality, pornography, plunging into despair and loneliness and isolation. And God the Father is drawing you home. So let me conclude. For these past 11, 12 weeks, we've had my dad, who has been living with us, 85 years old, and every day I will take him for a walk only about a mile because he's quite slow and on those walks I have had great opportunity to ask him what it was like for him being away from home for a year what it felt like to be on a ship and suddenly seeing the father's heart hearing the father's voice realizing that my dad was lonely my dad was working hard to send every penny back home so that my mum can provide for me and my sister my dad longed for, he went shopping for his children, longing to bring those gifts back so that we might be blessed. And on that, on one of those walks, we talked about the day that me, with a leg in plaster from bullying years, waited on Plymouth Hove and watched a ship come into, into view, HMS Art Royal, and how dad sent for a boat. And that boat took me to my father's side, not seeing him for a year and coming into my father's presence on board a ship where he was an officer and men would come and do his bidding and I was elevated and lifted into that boat and taken into the control tower and seeing this whole ship around him and feeling, this is my dad. And my dad loves me. The Father in heaven loves you. He sent a boat for you, a rescue boat. It's called Jesus. That's what Jesus' mission was, to rescue a lost world, to bring it back into the Father's presence. And if you are not a child of God this morning, if you know you're in a far-off place, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, when people ask, how do I be saved? How do I get this relationship back? Peter said these words, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. Right here, right now, as you're listening to this, you can stop it and pray, Father, forgive me. Thank you for Jesus. And God will bring you safely into his home into his presence but I also just want to finish by saying to all dads 
we are, those of us who are Christians, we're meant to imitate our Father in heaven. We're meant to be that type of Father who is wise and generous and available and pursuing our children, giving our children boundaries and love and encouragement to let them grow up to be everything they can be. And I know that on Father's Day, sometimes dads, we can feel a bit condemned. We can feel our work has taken over. I've just been too distracted, too busy, too absent. Well, today is a day to make a change. A Chinese proverb says, when's the best place to plant a time to plant a tree? Well, 20 years ago or today. So today I would encourage you, make some adjustments. Like I did when I had my eldest daughter speak to me when she was only like five or six years old, I made some deliberate changes so that I could be available. Today, you make that challenge. And to finally, every member of Westminster Chapel, particularly those of us who are in, you know, 30s, 40s, going upwards, let us be a generation that parent the younger generation in our church. I believe there's going to be a massive harvest in that younger generation. And at the moment, the statistics tell me that 70% of young adults leave church before their 19th birthday in the UK. I want to challenge us, Westminster Chapel, grab hold of our youth, grab hold of our children, pray for them, seek them, encourage them, disciple them, because they are the church. And we want to love them and encourage them to be all they can be for God post COVID-19. So God bless you. May many of you today know the intimacy of your Father in heaven. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.